Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and this is Star Talk Sports Edition. And I got with me, as always, Chuck Knight. That's right, sir. What's happening? Gary O'Reilly. Uh-huh. Gary, just in case people don't know, you were a once and future professional athlete. Allegedly. Allegedly? Or no, allegedly one, of those things are, one of those things are true. <laughs> one of yes. the, the once. once. The once. Future, right. <laughs> definitely a past tense. There's a past tense there. Uh, a footballer from the UK. Always good go. to have you Thank have you. you on the show. And our topic this week, the future of cheating. Yay! On and or off the field. Finally, cheating is getting its due. <laughs> Cheating. Gosh. Like, what's up with that? What's up with cheating? <laughs> and so it's 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 not only the technology that might enable you to cheat, but the psychology of cheating as well. So that's what we're going to explore in these three segments. And as usual, we comb the region to find academic expertise, of which there's quite a bit in the tri-state area of New York. Good place we to li- get brain power. We are in such a good place. And we have Dr. Lee Eagle. Lee, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you for having now me I gotta, over. I got to get this right. Clinical Associate Professor at the NYU Tisch Institute Tish. for Global Support. Did I get that right? Globals, yeah. Good that's correct. It. That's why I yeah. got it right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and your research focuses on medical ethics, especially with regard to sports business. Yeah, it's one of the areas. Well, okay. So I didn't know anything about this. You guys got questions lined up. Yeah. What are the ethics? Because I would say that it's very possible to, it's a lot more difficult to be ethical as a doctor for a sports team because you are pressured to get people back to work. You're talking about ethics for him yeah because there's yeah. a lot of, of a, a lot of concern about cheating on the field a lot mm-hmm. of concern about cheating by players but what about the doctors what about them because yeah, give me that drug. Yeah, about them that new yeah. drug yeah get them out there so there is there's incredible physicians on team physicians especially um, most of them are hired by yeah. teams and uh, that is what an enormous pressure to perform Right and uh, and to fit into the box because think about all the all the different people who are coming in on that. You've got the player, you've got the coaches, you've got ownership, team ownership, general management, right? general managers, the front office, advertisers, at some advertisers, level, advertisers yeah, yeah. and sponsors, family members. I mean, everybody's sort of coming in, right? It's a full room. And they're going, it's okay, make that happen. So to make that call is, uh, it's not so That's, easy. Yeah, I'm sure you would have a lot of people upset with you. Like I watch now, one of them, to me, it's a fascinating thing to watch in football games, the blue tent. This is the new thing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The player gets injured, they take him into the blue tent. And you can't look, you can't And see you can't see what's going on. In the blue tent. Mm-hmm. What's going on in the blue tent. But I got a feeling what's going on in the blue tent is like, uh, you think you can get back out there? I don't know. No, you can get back out there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll well, try some of this. Well, Got an injection right, right here. Yeah. How about now? <laughs> so, so people go in all busted and broken, exactly. and then they pop out five minutes later after the commercial break. Sometimes it happens that way. It does. And it, it's like that. At the, at the very high end, you might have, towards the end of a season, you might be in a championship game, you might be in the a pressure game. If you don't play the next game as an owner, as a coach... I'm probably not that concerned. I want the result now. Mm-hmm. So there's pressure. Just tell the athlete they're fine. 
They'll get through the game. They may not be 100%. They may not be 80%, but that'll be enough. So do you study ethics yeah. in your own field? Uh, it's certainly it's one of the areas. So I, I cover, I mean, sports business. And did you get that at, answer? I said, do, the, do you study yeah. this? It's one of the areas. It's one of the areas, yeah. <laughs> well, do <that's>... you study <laughs> this? <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a professor, you know, so uh, it's either three minutes or three hours, nothing in between. Yeah, of answers, in terms right. Of comments. So, uh, All right, answer. from from that point of view that, that Chuck just asked you about talking to that man in, in your mirror, mm -hmm. let's come out of that and look at the sports business side of things. If I'm a world governing body, like the IOC, the IAAF, or FIFA, whoever it might be, and I'm enforcing all of these sanctions, these bans because of cheating for whatever reason. Punishment. Right? Exactly. The punishment. punishment. But there I am being investigated for corruption, for all sorts of misdemeanors and foul play. How is that balanced? How on earth do you get that to be in the right place? And how do the people in your organization say, well, I don't care because you're the bad guy as well? You've got a bunch of different things going on. And again, same kind of thing. It's happening at a few different levels. Right. Um, and those pressures keep coming back in. So on one hand, when you talk about those the different governing bodies, those yeah. organizations and institutions, even when we see corruption in those ranks, there's still something that the public looks at in terms of those bodies. Because, you know, those are still the sanctioning bodies. They're still legitimate. And what they do, what their what guidelines and laws are, what they stand yeah. for is still, there's a code that's there and that's in place. What happens within that is, you know, stuff we get to work on. What about organizational, um, uh, I'll say, um, what's it called when you have kind of like a group think, but, you know, for instance, uh, it's kind of, kind of well-known that Bill Belichick will do whatever is necessary. Allegedly. Allegedly. To win. Bill Belichick, coach of, coach of the New England, England Patriots. Patriots. Right. And son of Satan. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> who doesn't live in New England. England. Says, Says the Eagles fan. Says the Eagles fan. <laughs> yeah. so, no, but I'm, I'm joking about that. He's a brilliant coach. But it's you know, it's kind of it's kind of bandied about that he he can be as loose with the rules as 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 anyone can be because his deal is the end justifies the means. If we walk off the field with a W, then I did the right thing. You know what does that do to the team psychology? That's an interesting thing because Bill Belichick is really a special case and a coach like like he is is such a special case because the culture that he created and his ability to coach and to manage and to bring people along. Uh, it's a winning is, culture. Because it's a winning culture and it's so different. He operates on a level that I think most people looking at it miss. You know, you sort of see him in the hoodie right. and a press conference, he's mm -hmm. gruff and all these things. But you talk to the players who have played with him and, and coaches who have worked with him, they go, this is somebody who is really special and you know that he cares. Mm -hmm. So he can do some of the things that he does because the players know where it's coming from. And it's not just, you know, it's about, there's a line from management, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And that's that's a Bill Belichick thing. Okay, so I've got my win at all wow. cost mentality in my organization. And you know what? Everybody loves a winner by all accounts. So if you're able to sit in that organization and structure it so as you've still got winning mentality, but you're not blurring the lines of, well, is it cheating, isn't it? Well, let's do it and see if anyone catches us. Mm -hmm. How do you, and can you implement a culture 
within an organization and still have it as a winning mentality? Well, that's a great question because part of this is also, I think it was the great Homer Simpson who said, it's only cheating if you get caught. Mm -hmm. uh, you went, and then he said that <laughs> he because said he got caught. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it really, it, it comes back down to, uh, I think really that idea of culture and strategy and the relationship between them. Mm. All right, so let's say for instance, um, that you're a person who has this winning culture, all right? Like, let's remove the strategy, but it's mm -hmm. all about win, 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 win. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you are a very honorable person. Mm -hmm. You would never actually cheat. However, you've created an environment that is so pressure filled that it, incites cheating by your players. I mean, I think sometimes you see that in educational um, arenas or forums, like when a school is under a tremendous pressure to perform well on a standardized test. And then you find out all the teachers in the school cheated with the kids because they were under that much pressure. Oh, there it is. You know, it's interesting what people do in the moment. Right? And I think you see this certainly in schools and, uh, and all sorts of cases where otherwise good people get caught doing something that they just wouldn't do. And if you had them in, in a room, there's, you know, in psychology called this the hot, cold uh, environment. In the cold environment, when we're sort of sitting around and go, you know, would you ever do this? Oh my goodness, I would never, I would never do that awful thing. And then in the hot moment, when it's happening, you know, the things that we sort of let go of and, uh, and our better selves start, uh, start to go away and other things come out. I think that's really where you see it, whether it's in sports or it's in education. So how does your research play into this understanding? Re well, right at it. I mean, something like uh, what people do in different environments. A, a person who has you know, no willingness to cheat when they're sitting in, in a room it's one thing. We look at it. What happens when you're out there in that moment? So it's or, conditional. It's it's conditional ethics. It's conditional mm. ethics. Situational Wait, ethics. So that's, that's what I should well, say. Yeah. Situational ethics. Which is interesting because from the business side the, and the management side, um, that's all about ethics. It's this idea that you know, what's permissible and what's allowed uh, in certain environments. And the truth is, there really is ethics. I mean, ethics is ethics. There's right. There's wrong. And uh, well, it's not this? so situational. Suppose there's an ethics that prevails today, but it's not so ethical, it, but it's, it's no longer an, a matter of ethics in five years. We've sort of worked past it. And I, I don't know what an example of that would mm. be. Okay, so we've being become... Being gay. Oh, yeah, okay. Right. All right, Seriously. in sports. Being gay in sports. We have right. absolutely like, desensitized. You know, years ago, that would have been almost criminal. Right, in male sports. Yeah. In male mm -hmm. sports. And there's still yeah, yeah. some mm -hmm. sports where it's it's not going to go particularly well if you come out as a gay athlete. Well, that's too bad because I am coming out. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, in the end, on any field at all. I don't you care. Have, you don't I've care. never played a sport and I'm not gay, but I'm coming out just because <laughs> people don't like it. <laughs> Are you happy okay. now? Are you happy? Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm very So, happy. in the last 20 years, we have become desensitized to certain elements of low-level cheating. So, in a football game, if I pulled an opponent's jersey, mm -hmm. 20 years ago, whistle, stop, foul goes against me. Now, I could probably get away with it. Flopping during a game, shunned upon 20 years ago. Now it's like, okay, you did that. And the game and, and carries on. And in basketball, on. there's a lot. I've seen, you know, when they're uh, positioning themselves near the net, I've seen guys pull on their... Uh, you know, yeah. and it's, it's small and minor, and you would never call it in the street. 
Right. Right? It's like that's just part mm -hmm. of the game, right? But it's clearly unethical. Yes. Clearly. So to your point, in, in X amount of years' time… We all allow it yeah. now. So do you study the arc of ethics over time? Oh, sure. Yeah, because and that's I think that's an important point because you've got to have this context, right? We've mm -hmm. got to have some historical context right. and understand how things, you know, the big thing is why are people doing the things that they're doing mm -hmm. so we can understand where we're going next. And, so uh, and I so think that's a big part of it. So what, what, okay, so if everybody's cheating, is it your ethical responsibility to still not cheat or is it your sports responsibility to cheat like everybody else? And then you get to the, like I said, the uh, Lance Armstrong, for example, when it finally came out that he was a cheater, and then he talked about it. Mm -hmm. When people sat down and listened to him, he described how everybody around him was cheating. The only way he could compete is if he cheated as well. And so, if everybody's cheating and then no one talks about it, then the sport just becomes more and more of a spectator performance. And then you learn somebody's cheating. Then, uh, so wh how does that all settle out in the end? It's a really good point because what you just said. Everybody, we want performance. Everybody knows that football players are on steroids. We, we want Period. performance. Period. We want it. There's not one team in the NFL where somebody on that team is not on steroids. But you take steroids in baseball, you have ruined the sport. It's like yeah. you're going to hell. Yeah. So it's so that one. That's an. I mean, it's all interesting pieces, but. On that part, you know, the NFL did something policy-wise about steroids and performance-enhancing drugs a bunch of years before Major League Baseball ever did. And Major League Baseball had to figure it out after the fact, after it all came to light. And so that's sort of the public pushback and an upset is really over that. They had a policy and said, look, we've been busting these guys for a good long time. Maybe not all of them, but we've got a policy in place. At least they can say... Okay, there we go. Major League Baseball, different story. Uh, and I think that that's something that plays with uh, with our ethics. And your research. And our morals. Really yeah. interesting point. I, I mean, like just having a police department, even if they're not <laughs> enforcing the law, actually mm -hmm. does something to you psychologically to say, well, at least these guys are trying. Yep. <laughs> National Hockey League, concussion policy. NFL, no concussion policy. Mm -hmm. You don't hear much about you know, you the same thing. You don't hear much about the concussions NH in the NHL. And forget international football. Oh, but, 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 but no, they're getting, they're getting there. there. They're okay, getting there. So in your research, have you have you come to a point where you think there is a way to construct an environment where cheating will not take place? Oh, I'm not so sure that we want that. And that's a little bit back to the point you were oh. making earlier. I'm not so sure we want it. Ooh, Sports is, you know, it's, it's a human endeavor. Mm. It's about human performance. And part of the, the frustration about Lance Armstrong is not, you know, one thing is that it took him a while to come to and say, this is what I did. And that's why people aren't listening so much. But the other thing is that really we thought there was this incredible human performance. And, and most of us have gotten out on a bicycle and ridden it and figured, okay, I know what that feels like to go in these places. And here's somebody who did it at a level yeah. way better than I did and, and could ever do. Are you the measure of how good Lance Armstrong is? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah, look at him. Look at, he was yes. so good, he was yes. better than me. Yes. <laughs> I can't get through Central Park on, uh, on, on a bicycle. But, um, but I think we all start to think about that. And you know, it's why we can appreciate LeBron James. They've all been out shooting hoops at some point or another. And you go, okay, I get it. And there's that level of performance. And when somebody cuts at it and seems to have faked it, we go to go, no, they didn't do it in, in a human way. Um, but 
cheating is human. It's a really human thing. When somebody goes over the line, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just being but human. It's a, but, it's, but it's a human thing. I'm only human. And, um, and that's part of where we look at what happens with cheating and ethics because it's usually little lies that people start with and they excuse and, when, and then they get bigger and mm. they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, that's where I think all this kind of stuff sits and settles. And I'm not sure that uh, as much as we would think sitting in that sort of cold room, yeah. we'd sort of go, yeah, 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 get it all out. I think when we really sit there and watch it happen, uh, to see a little bit of the, I don't want to pull your jersey, but um, <laughs> but I don't know. I already sitting pulled in your office. <laughs> but um, well, you know what that reminds me of? There was a. This is now decade two, three decades ago. Major League Baseball, an important game. There was a pitcher who the other team accused him of roughing up the ball with an emery board. Oh wow! Yes, okay. yeah. and he denied it. And then the umpire went out to the mound to have him empty his pockets. And so he went into his pocket and quickly threw the emery board out of it. He actually was rubbing it up with an emery board. It fell out of his pocket on purpose, but the camera's on him, right? <laughs> right. So, so the camera just sees the thing fly out of his pocket. Yeah, who'd have so, thought there'd be cameras in a game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who'd have thought that baseball players would have pockets? <laughs> Wait, what is that about? Well, you're going to put your sticker board. board. But yeah. this is a case where you can actually, you know people are human and that they want to cheat, so you put in ways that disincentivize it, like a camera at every possible angle where you might have cheated. That's another way to do it. Yeah. No, and now in the other part of the coin here, the other side of the coin is, yes. I mean, we also want people to not go so far over the line uh, in cheating that it ends up, you know, let's have cameras look at all these different angles so right. that uh, it's at least a level playing field. That's a great thing about sports. It's all really at a point about a level playing field. And we want to see where, you know, what people can do within that level playing field. Where can you push the bounds? One day I want to see a football game that's on a playing field that's not level and just see how that actually plays <laughs> out. Downhill ball. Downhill ball. A downhill football. We, seriously, back in the UK, we had, I played on a team, Brighton, where the field was not level. It went, you went uphill, downhill. It was not a level playing field. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> we got to take a break. Uh, and we come back, we'll continue with our discussions on ethics cheating in sports on Star Talk. Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. O'Reilly. Yes. Nice. Hey. All right. Gary and Chuck. The gang's all here. <laughs> the gang's all here. Band we, is back together. The band is back. We are, it, we're continuing our discussion of the future of cheating yeah. on and off the playing field. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know if you've ever cheated on, on the Cheaters field. Cheaters never win. They just, they just win the game. <laughs> Possibly not. Possibly yes. Possibly yes, says our former professional athlete here. Uh, so we got to introduce somebody who thinks about this stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So joining us for this conversation is Lisa Shu. Lisa, welcome. Dialing in from Thank London. Thank you so much. From, from London, right? Thank you so right? much for having me. Excellent. You're an organizational psychologist, uh, an expert on motivations for cheating to get ahead 
in sports and perhaps other things. And you're at the London Business School. So this is a, your ideal guest for this show. Mm. And so uh, let me just lead off with a question. Does, does mm -hmm. almost everyone I competed against, as I used to wrestle, I used to row, uh, I saw them cheat. And I realized they cared about winning in any by any means rather than actually winning. following the rules and actually winning winning because if just, you cheat you didn't win because i was so disappointed by that and i thought what is going through their heads about this and so so do you you study these people's heads <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right i study the mental acrobatics that we are able to perform internally to justify to ourselves that yes. we are good people despite the fact that we sometimes or very oftentimes will break the rules in order to get ahead. Well, now, is there a specific personality that is more prone to cheat? Because I've noticed in certain types of people, um, like for instance, you're let's not say we're competing at sports, just a game of chess or checkers or cards and a person is that type of competitor where when they see that they are about to lose they start changing the rules or doing something crazy you know right, what i mean right. or, like, or their personality changes their personality changes right, like, right. oh you can't do that you can't do that right and you're like whoa wait a minute what is going so is there yeah, who are these who people, are these people? <laughs> <laughs> right who are these cheaters well it turns out that cheaters are made cheaters are not born Whoa. Cheaters are made by the environment that surrounds them. In Ooh. fact, most cheaters probably don't think of themselves as cheaters because, you know, they virtuously see themselves as someone who just works hard, hustles, does whatever it takes to get ahead. They might not even see their behavior or label it as cheating. So, yes, we call them cheaters. We see from the outside that their behaviors are impermissible or um, you know, rule boundary crossing, but inside their own heads, it's this watertight narrative that they're good people who don't cheat. So they're they're not only cheaters; they're delusional. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So now, what 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 really what you just said, Neil, really sparked something in me. You said you're looking at these people, you're seeing them cheat. And I've had the same experience, not uh, in like rowing, but in just competition. And I don't want to win that way. Like to me, I don't want to win that way. But that's why you've always been a loser. <laughs> <laughs> No. Touche, sir. No. Well played. No. That was good. <laughs> I'm not so, quite sure what I say at this moment. Yeah. No, no, that's good. So what? no, but here's what? my point. Um, is it possible if Neil were a different person that he would then say, well, I need to cheat now. Oh. You see? Yeah. Is, is this a domino effect? Exactly. So yeah. it's like, well, look at this. Everybody around me is cheating, so they have a competitive edge, which makes me less competitive, so I need to cheat now so I can be competitive because I'm actually better than that guy. That was, He's just cheating. That was Lance Armstrong's argument. Was look, it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He looked around and saw everybody's cheating. And the only way he could hang with them is if he cheated too. So, so, so he got made in this sense, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. That's right. It's the environment that you enter. You become very blindsided by what the norms are. And then what normal, it just becomes okay, regardless 
uh, of whether or not the norm is, you know, that everyone cheats to get ahead. Uh-huh. So you don't even see this anymore once you're so embedded in this environment. Now, in I don't physics, we, we call that renormalizing a function. We renormalize it. It is the function is doing something over here instead of over here. So you perform operations on it. Now that's the new place where it is. And when you do that, you lose all sense of where the thing was or how it used to function. You become so a, you become anesthetized to the situation around you. So I mean, it, and now I think we're desensitized to some of the minor cheating that goes on. Not so much performance enhancing, uh-huh. but gaining advantage during an athletic performance or whatever it is. So, so how do you fix it? Don't just tell so, us it exists. Give us solutions here. Absolutely. The solution is that we need to reawaken people to their blind spots. You know, once you're embedded in environments where cheating is the norm, you can't even see outside of that, right? So it does take an external environment or it takes an external actor from an outside mm-hmm. environment to say, wait a minute, these norms are not sustainable. They're not okay. And everyone is being blindsided by the fact that cheating is normalized within this environment. We continuously underestimate just how important the environment is as a driver of our behavior. We tend to think that, you know, we're good people, we're motivated to do well and do good, and that it doesn't matter how challenging, how morally challenging the environments we put ourselves into are. But the fact of the matter is, sometimes it's the number one driver of our behavior. And it doesn't matter how strongly we believe our standards will never, ever change. We don't even notice them changing. We become morally disengaged without noticing. I got an important question. Okay. Am I cheating if I figure out a way to gain an advantage over you that the people who make the rules have not yet noticed should be outlawed? Loopholing. Loophole, a loophole. So, so let me make this up. For example, let's say uh, I'm about to go to a, a swimming contest, and I take a five-minute hit of pure oxygen. Okay, that's not going to show up in a drug test. No, it's not. Right, but now I have oxygen completely throughout me, and I don't know if that would work. But let's imagine let's just it imagine does. Imagine it does. Imagine it does, and that and that enhances your performance. And, and I win. Did I cheat? So it depends on whether we're going by the definition of the letter of the law versus the spirit of the oh, law. Okay. By the letter of the law, you have not cheated. That's there the loophole. not something that has go. outlawed you from doing that specific action. But by the spirit of the law, absolutely, you've done uh, something uh, to gain an unfair advantage. Uh, so it depends on how we define this for ourselves. And as individuals who are tempted to cheat, we would definitely define this by the letter of the law, right? Okay, I got another example. In NASCAR, okay, there there, there are very strict rules about the size and proportions Mm -hmm. and weight and everything and how much, how big your gas tank is, Mm -hmm. okay? Well, I I read about this. You know, I'm I'm not a NASCAR fanatic or anything, but I know a couple of things. And apparently, they designed the fuel hose from the gas tank to the engine to be really long, uh-huh. Oh, weight distribution. So right. no, no, not weight. More just gas. Fuel. No, no, just more gas. More gas. If you, if you, when could, you fill it, you got to fill the hose too. The hose too. There you go. Now, if you take one less pit stop because of it, that's your rate. So that's engineers being clever. 
it's their job. But but you're still saying it's not fair. It's not. It's, so it's, you have to ask yourself: Is it a level playing field? Can anyone else have access to engineers who would, you know, soup up their vehicle? So I, then I'm, I'm going to say that's not cheating them because I'm smarter than you. You're smart. Yeah, that's yeah. different. Okay. While we discuss this, is cheating a, a, a random act, or does cheating come in a in like a recognizable pattern? Oh, I like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, cheating is not a random act. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned earlier that cheaters are made; they are not born cheaters. Mm -hmm. But once we find ourselves in a situation where we, you know, trespass a moral rule, we morally disengage. I mentioned the mental acrobatics earlier. We're able to convince ourselves that our actions are actually moral and ethical, and it's okay. And what that represents is a downgrading of your moral standards so that you don't feel any discomfort with your sketchy actions and the moral code that you, you know, think you possess. So over time, we cheat once, then we make excuses for our cheating behavior. We downgrade our moral code of ethics. We think more things are morally permissible. And what this happens Slippery slope. Is, and that what happens in time is a downward spiral of right. decreasing ethical standards, more permissible behaviors, and greater disregard, and a bigger blind spot for moral rules. So let me ask you this. Damn, what, me out. What, is more, <laughs> what is a more effective means of stopping uh, uh, cheating? Is it group shame? In other words to be found out that you're a cheater amongst your peers and to suffer the embarrassment of them now knowing that you are not what you are, or a police action. For instance, if we're all on the highway and everybody's doing 85 miles an hour and you feel like, well, everybody's going 85 miles an hour, but then you see flashing lights in the distance, everyone hits their brake because they all know they're doing something wrong. Mm. Everybody knows they're doing something wrong. Otherwise, they would continue going 85 miles an hour. Right. So that's the police action. But the group would be if you're heading down the highway at 85 miles an hour, everybody else is doing 60 miles an hour, and they're all beeping their horn at you. Like, you crazy maniac, what the hell are you doing? So that's and the public then, shame. That's the public shame. And then you decide, well, clearly I'm doing something wrong. Let me stop. Which is more effective? Public shame is super effective. We are social animals and we've evolved to be. So the most threatening thing that we can perceive is a set of eyes on us, right? So our peer group judging us. So one, the threat of like one police officer, like, all right, I'll pay the fine. But that's really about avoiding this behavior so I don't get caught. Whereas the threat of public shame is just so visceral you know, as primates, we we are wired to really want to avoid this bad thing, this public shame from our peers. So say, for instance, say for instance, I'd been cheating for 10 years and got away with it for 9.99 part of those years. Would it be the best course of action to actually punish me? Because if you do, you tell everybody in the watching world what I've been doing, how successful I've been at it. And you also tell them where I failed which then allows them the advantage... To be a better cheater than you? Yes. <laughs> yes. So is, is that then punishing always the best course of action? So I think the punishment sets 
a greater precedence for the future. So, and that is really the value of the public, um, you know, domain noticing that cheating is not okay and really sanctioning the behavior. So you're setting a precedent for future groups that this is not excusable, that this is yeah. not how we get ahead. And except, you won't get ahead except you only know when he's cheating. You only know that he cheated when you find out. So, right. so it's, it's a one-tailed statistical distribution. Here are all these cheaters. You shouldn't do it. How about all the other people who are actively cheating right now and you have no clue? Right. right. There's, there's, no, there's, there's nothing to do with them because you don't even know who they are. You have an idea. So, then that, so the argument there would be you make even a greater example of the people that you catch as a warning to the people who are already cheating in hopes that they may say, look, I got to stop this. Like, what was the woman, the track star? She was beloved. Oh, oh you don't mean Flojo. Flojo, Flo yes. Jo. With the nails. I, just With hear, the nails. Just yeah. hearing you say her name, my heart sunk just a little bit because that's how beloved she was. Right. And she had to disappear. She had to go away because yeah. people loved her so much. And when they found out that she cheated and she was like, yes, I'm sorry, I cheated. What well, hormone? I mean, uh, uh, testosterone. What yeah, was she was it? taking something. I don't some know kind what it was. Of it, was a, yeah. it was. A, it was some kind of substance that she was taking. Now you're you're in a business school, so do you also uh, consider, for example, how and why Volkswagen cheated on their emissions standards? Mm. Right. So sometimes companies and individuals within companies tell them that they're cheating. Um, is tied to a greater good. And oh. corporate matter, uh, they manage to do this. Oftentimes they say, you know, we're creating value for shareholders. We have a fiduciary duty to take mm -hmm. care of... That's know, the, the narrative you're talking about. It's rationalizing the act. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's the narrative. The mental acrobatics are amazing. Um, it provides this watertight excuse Mm -hmm. for the individual to justify themselves that actually my actions are serving a greater good. And, you know, it would be wrong not to misreport. Right. Like, this is how the psychology of a cheater works. It becomes very um, cyclical and it really feeds upon itself. So I, I will emphasize that cheaters are made. They are not born. So it, it takes a couple of these iteration loops for cheaters to, you know, continue along their downward spiral. We've got to make sure that our shareholders are able to re-decorate re, uh, their uh, their um, <laughs> vacation homes and then, uh, these people need boats. They need boats. Large boats. Large boats. <laughs> and many. We're doing a, we're doing a public service. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Are we ever going to, are we ever going to cure sport of cheating or do we just say, give up, let them all have a go? Oh, gosh, that's a big one. So Sorry. let's think about the systems that sports uh, sit in. So all the managers, all the partners, all the owners of these sports teams. Mm -hmm. Will anyone ever just say, we'll just give up on this because it's too messy? Um, you, you know, let's just start anew. Um, how are we going to convince all these actors that it's better to walk away, make a fresh start than... You know, all these people who are invested really in doing whatever it takes <laughs> to get ahead. Mm -hmm. So 
you're you're talking about reforming an entire system, like overthrowing. So, so your answer is it's never going to happen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> as long as there's this much money involved, it's never going to happen. So, so I would, I, I would, I'm going to. I think there's a middle ground, not exactly in the middle, but, mm -hmm. but you know, more in, in your direction of honesty. But still, uh, I like. I want to leave open ingenuity. I just want to leave that open. So here are the rules of the sport. And I do. I figure something out really clever, and it gives me an advantage. Don't punish me. Say, hey, that was really cool. That was brilliant. Maybe it can be shared with others. I don't have a problem with that. The whole sport benefits, right? And then the then the the paying public sees a better performance. Or they shut your loophole down, and then go forward right, without a, that, it. That's yeah. a that's a tact yes. that I don't know is in the best interest of the sport. If I figure out, think about this. People talk about steroids and everything. Let's go back in time. If I'm the first to figure out that if I lift weights, I get stronger, thereby making me better at my sport, did I just cheat? No, your lazy ass didn't figure out that that would be, that would be something that could work. I figured it out. So I will have a temporary advantage over a certain amount of time until everybody does. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how that's been, right? I mean, so... So and no one said weight lifting weights is illegal because you by the way you change your biochemistry which you did you change your your molecular constitution which you did right you you change your diet because you needed higher protein which you did mm -hmm. right this is stuff you did to yourself no yeah. it's not called steroids it's called pumping iron you did it I don't want someone to say that I cheated because I figured out that that was something to do how do you feel about that. So I think what's key to your argument is that it's a temporary advantage, right? Yes. So yeah, the idea there is that the tide can rise together and everyone can surf these big waves, these bigger waves than uh -huh. they could surf before. Um, and I think that scenario sounds like innovation more than cheating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's Where, good. Whereas the steroids, the problem with the steroids is that, one, they're a health threat. Mm -hmm. So you are putting your health at risk, which we can never condone as a sanctioning body for anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. And two, giving you that advantage inspires others to put their health at risk because mm -hmm. they now have to compete with you. Mm -hmm. uh, we we got to like wrap up this segment. But but do, do you have any like final thoughts for us? Because you, you totally bummed us out this whole segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. give, us, give us something hopeful that we can close out this segment with. And take as much time as you want because we're out of time. So that'll be cheating. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's much reason to be hopeful. I think so many organizations, um, you know, schools, businesses, governments are designing their organizations from per first principles in mind, right? So from the very top, they care about the values that they want to see and then the behaviors that map onto those values. So having that one-to-one -one correspondence between what you believe and what you want to see in the behavior of people who work in the organization, I think that's so important uh, that we're making, you know, movement in that direction. Um, the other thing is that I think we're more aware that we all have blind spots, right? Whether that's like biases or just a proneness. You know, I'm a professor. I know that I have a blind spot to 
one side of the class and I always call on the left side of the classroom. Something as innocuous as that to much greater blind spots, like in our moral decision making. Um, I think as a society, we're becoming more and more educated in all the things that we don't see. And that's one of the first steps to noticing these moral trespasses. The first step is just noticing that the organization or the company that you just joined might have um, morally questionable standards, right? Because without noticing, you would just get pulled into it. Mm. So just yeah. the fact that we have more education around this, I think is a very hopeful, promising direction for the future. Everybody be a whistleblower. <laughs> Eyes wide open. <laughs> it's something for you to think about in the future. The day we then have designer babies, you can design a baby to be exceptional at soccer or mm -hmm. at basketball. Uh, is that cheating? Wow. When their genetic profile is still human, but we, but I'll leave that for you. But that's our next phone call. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. exactly. <laughs> gene editing cheating. Gene, ed gene cheating. If, if gene you're cheating. born that way, is it cheating? Yeah, born this way, right. yeah. you're not cheating anybody. You're just you. Right. Mm -hmm. It's your parents <laughs> right. that my, did it. My parents cheated. <laughs> I was just born like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we got we to break it there. So, Lisa, thank you for joining us. And we, we'd love to tap back into your expertise at another time because we, we think about sports a lot in, in these editions. Yeah. And we'll, we'll definitely find you again. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Excellent. Thank you, Professor. Okay. When we come back, more Star Talk Sports Edition. Back on Star Talk, the final segment of cheating in sports. Gary, Chuck. Yes. That's some serious content that we just went through. We have. I mean, Dr. Lisa Shu and Lee Eagle were discussing cheating and the forms of which it comes forward. I, I just, if you cheat, if you don't I can't cheat. You, have, you took notes. Good for him. Look, yeah, look, 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 it's got cosmic pictures on it. I know. I Very proud you, of you. Very proud of you. Uh, yeah, you're going to criticize my handwriting. If you don't cheat, you don't win. Oh, yes. No, we'll let the world <laughs> criticize your handwriting. I won't have to. <laughs> what are you, in third grade? What? Just. <laughs> Go. So, okay. Cheaters are made. They're not born. Right. It, and they're more, mostly made by Bill Belichick. Oh, says the Eagles fan. Ooh, yes. Oh, oh. Yes. No, I so I, I think that for me, the big lesson there was honest people can cheat by talking themselves into thinking they're not cheating. Right. And what we, in mathematics, we call that renormalization. Renormalization. Yeah, yeah, not in reference to cheating, but in reference to mathematical functions. If the function is like in another place, right, and it has to be sort of scaled properly, you sort of renormalize it to that new place. And then all the things reference that, all the new parameters. Gotcha. Le leaving the old ones behind. Right. So if you renormalize your moral code, you have a new baseline. Right. And now you'll be cheating at that baseline and you won't even call it cheating. I, that was fascinating to me to learn this. Yeah, I mean... They, uh, and the mental gymnastics they, that people go through. Yeah. But then again, you lose sight of what was originally considered zero. That's the drift. Yeah. Yeah, that's the... 
that's the, the slippery slope, the drift away from, from your moral code, from your, from your compass. So if everybody around Edding. you is cheating, you readapt to become part of that environment because you can't be competitive? That's one motivation, but another one is you just want to win. Right. It's not just because, it's not only if everyone else is doing it, it's because you want to come out ahead of everybody. Right. If everyone else is doing it, you're doing it just so you don't lose. <laughs> by as much, yeah. By, by as much. Right. Yeah, it's uh, the any means necessary. Yeah, 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 and with the ends justified. Justify the means. Justify the means. Right. What, what I don't think they had a good answer for me when I noted, suppose you cheat without breaking the rules. Right. See, and so you the know, NASCAR right. example with the, with, with, the, with the long fuel line. The long fuel line. I and the first that. guy who pushed iron. The first guy who lifted That's weights. That's another one. Right. The person that figures out, if I go to the gym right. and lift weights, mm -hmm. I can get bigger muscles. Right. And I can kick your ass or be faster than you right. or stronger than you. And that gives me an advantage. And by the way, I am changing the chemistry of my body when I build my muscles. Right. When I lift weights, my body's, oh, shit, I need, we need, we got to build these muscles. The chemistry changes. It, it, we, it, it, it uses the proteins in different ways to build higher cross, more, uh, bigger muscle tissue. And there you go. Is that cheating? Uh, no, I'd say okay, no. Okay, well, so? I say no, because quite frankly, what you're doing is, I call that ingenuity. I don't okay. call that cheating. <laughs> That's what I call that. Okay, so here we, here, That's good. Here, Here's the, I like that. <laughs> here's the issue. Here's the two sides of the coin. Uh -huh. One is the letter of the law. The other is the spirit. Yes. And this is where you get arguments on both sides which are let valid. Me, let me play devil's advocate here. I think th there's a... I don't really believe this, but let me just put it on the table. Okay. Okay? Is lifting weights and drinking a cup of coffee in the morning really any different from taking steroids? When you're both chemically changing your body to give you an advantage over whatever you would have performed without it. They're both chemical changes in your body, mm -hmm. except there happens to be a law against steroids, and there's no law against caffeine or lifting weights. So how arbitrary is this rule? So I in, think the, in law, the big picture. I think the law against steroids has more to do, because I used to be a person who said, and I think we did a show where yeah. I said, I don't care if my athletes Let are on it. steroids. Yeah. Because quite frankly, what I want to see is optimum performance on the field. So, did you see in the, from the... 80s Saturday Night Live skit yeah. with Hans and Franz, yeah. the, the bodybuilders. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And so the two of them in one of the skits, it's an Olympic or some competitive event where all chemical enhancements are allowed. In fact, are encouraged. Okay. So they come out extra big and they right. go to do a deadlift and he goes and pulls. And the announcer says, Oh, he pulled his arms off, off his, his body, body. <laughs> and the two arms are stuck on the weight and blood is spurting out of his shoulders. <laughs> oh, too bad. See, to me, that's the way weightlifters should be. <laughs> See, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Now that's... I'm interested in weightlifting. That's all. <laughs> like, you know, but I, 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 I changed my mind because I forget who we were talking to from NYU University who said the real problem is... Arthur Kaplan. Arthur Kaplan. Yes. He said the real problem is not the performance, but the fact that it is harmful and you're sanctioning harmful behavior by Kaplan, athletes. who's Kaplan? I think he was, uh, he probably still is, Director of Medical Ethics at, at NYU. At NYU. Oh, oh, okay. Director okay. of Medical yeah. Ethics. Uh -huh. All right. So, you know, we had a conversation with him and basically he was like, look, it's about the fact that these are dangerous drugs that you're saying it would be okay for them to use, which means that young people who now get into the sport are also going to use Suppose those dangerous drugs. Suppose the drugs weren't drugs. dangerous. Suppose I get to program your DNA in utero. I have no problem with that. 
well, then okay. See, I think that's perfectly fine. Like, if, you know, I mean, I mean clearly you look at me and you can see that I was designed to be a superior athlete <laughs> while I was in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> then he woke up. And then he was just, that's, a, that's another show. So, so, then, so yeah. then we get to that point where we pull the rug from underneath. Cheaters aren't born. Oh, right. That changes that phrase. Wow. Cheaters are born. No, well, no, no. They're not, well, you're, they're not, not cheating. you're not cheating. It ain't your fault that somebody else... Right. Oh, no, but if you do that intentionally... Oh, if, 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 oh, if you could do it later, even. Yeah, you, okay. you can retrofit this apparently, or they're okay. looking towards doing that. But Why not? if you were to be able to construct with this in mind, but we do that now. We do it with diet and sleep and certain. This regime. is my point. We, we're doing it. What, we're what, we're what, already doing it. What do it. marathon runners do when they carbo load exactly. the night before? Yeah. Completely changing their chemistry. Right. Loading basic sugars into their bloodstream, ready and accessible. But for is their that muscles. harmful to their body? No, that's the problem. Actually, actually, I can't claim to have ever seen a marathon runner when I say, that's a healthy person. <laughs> so so, no. so I, I'm intrigued as what the future of that will be. Yeah. That's what, that's what intrigues me. Now, here's the thing. May, okay, I'm going to set up a new rule. Okay. Oh, this is the Star okay. Talk rule of competition. Oh, sweet. And let's take our cue from NASCAR. In NASCAR, the car is an exact prescribed weight. Right. Okay, and if I th even think if you're a light driver, you got to carry extra lead in All the right. car so that every car weighs the same, even with driver. Okay, oh, really? I if, I, if my memory serves, that's true. It's certainly true in horse racing. Yes. Okay. Handicap. It's a handicap. Okay, you put the, the the pouches have carry weights. All right. So maybe anything is allowed, provided it doesn't harm you in any real way. Anything is allowed, provided everyone knows what you did. Gotcha. Then everybody's on the same playing field. So full disclosure. Full disclosure. How about that? Then the spirit of cheating evaporates completely. Because cheaters are doing something that you don't know they're doing. Right. They're reading the answers off the palm of their hand during the test. Right. They got some they're ear Scratching ear the ball piece, before they pitch it. Scratching they're doing it, something. licking it, whatever. Right. Exactly. Right. Maybe that By is the way, how you have to do it. And if you were that's caught... That's one spitball I want to see thrown. It's where they lick the baseball first. Well, like, that's... <laughs> Wait, wait, it's kind of what they do when they lick their finger. That's true. And then, maybe, and then they, yeah. Okay. No, you know yeah. how that rule where he's, he's from Britain. You know the rule? No. Okay. You can touch your finger. The last I knew the rule. You can touch your finger to your mouth. Mm -hmm. The pitcher can do that as long as you're not on the mound. Oh, right. So I that puts it. a yep. slight time delay. Right. Between the spit that's you on your the, fingers. You got to be, be able to you let might, that spit dry. You, <laughs> you got to really hawk a serious right. loogie. Oh, thank you. To work your way back to the mound and still have it there when you pick when you touch the ball. Ill. I know. I'm just saying. Baseball is nasty. That's nasty. Nasty. No, no, na right. nasty. 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 So the thing but, is, if you if you want to create a change within an environment that you know is rife with cheating, is the change going to come from inside, or does it have to be an external presence that changes what is going on in an environment? How about this? Mm. Did Fosbury, Dick Fosbury, Dick Fos Fosbury, excuse yes. me. Oh, the Fosbury Did flop. he cheat when he introduced the Fosbury flop to the world? See, yeah. I, once again, I call that ingenuity. Let That's me tell somebody you, somebody who looked at it out of the box and said, "Why do we okay, have to do it that way?" For those way, who are not old enough, and the, <sighs> he, uh, the high jump, yes, was previous to him 
always done with your belly curling over, over, over the right. bar. Yes. Face down. Face down. Mm -hmm. And then he decided to go backwards over the bar. Now, do you know why that works? I'll tell you why. Please do. All right. What matters is how much energy does it take to elevate your center of mass, the center of mass of your body. If you're just standing there, yeah. the center of mass is like in your navel somewhere, mm -hmm. in the center of your body on the other side of your navel. Mm -hmm. If you curl your body, making sort of a, a hemicircle, the center of mass leaves your body and it is in the air in between the curves of your body. Okay? Uh-huh. Okay. The center of mass is the center point of where all your mass would, if I rotated you, you'd rotate around that point. Got you. Okay? So since you're curled... So, so watch. So it, forward, it, you can only bend at your waist and a little bit forward on your, on your, on your torso. But your knees are not bending that's right. the other they way. You can't bend that you way. You can't bend that way. Right. So your knees have to go over straight. Whereas in the Fosbury flop, any flexible athlete yep. can bend backwards from their spine and, they kick. and bend at the base of their spine and, and bend, bend at the knees. knees. So they can create a tighter curl over the bar, right. sending their center of mass below the bar while jumping to a higher bar than ever before. So he figured out the physics. And I have said continuously that the pole vault mm -hmm. needs to do that to add another foot to the world record. They're already backwards to the ground. Right. Going up. But what do they do? They twist and turn, do the hokey pokey, right. and they go and over the... What's, what's up with that? Right. And I have always said that the pole vault should just stop. <laughs> I, I think Period. we should... I think we should... No, no, our man, our How favorite... How is that a sport? Excuse, excuse me. Excuse How me. How is that a sport? Buzz Aldrin pole vaulted when he was in school, okay? A man on the moon. Just Give it to him. Just because one get, of your boys doesn't he, mean that it's still a good sport. Okay, excuse me. He's everybody's boy. He's Buzz Aldrin. Okay, okay, okay that's true. I'm just thinking we get Chuck to What did Buzz ball. Lightyear play <laughs> in high school? That's what I want to know. So here's what I'm saying. So did he cheat? What should have happened was he should have said to everybody, I'm going over the bar this way for this Olympics. You can choose to do it or not. Right. As long as it's in the rules, it's doable. No, 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 no. The rules aren't smart enough to figure out all the ways you can break the rules. Right. That's so the physics point. are ahead of the rules is basically exactly. what you it's were what saying. Happened. Physics are ahead of the rules. So if he said that, that'd be interesting. Early rowers, all right, it, they would have a, they would grease a smooth surface and their leather pants would slide back and forth That's on right. that grease surface. Grease surface. Right. Okay. Until somebody invented a, a rolling chair. That's yeah. right. All right. That way, all right? Not nearly as sexy as greased up leather pants, <laughs> but hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> as a greased tight end. <laughs> so all I'm saying is... How did I know you were going to go back to that? Why? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I need more grease. <laughs> slap on the grease. Somebody get some more Crisco under my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and why did I know you weren't going to leave it alone? <laughs> so what, what they'll do is they'll say... We invented this new thing, right. and here it is. And you can you can follow us or not, but this is what we're using in this next Olympics, and it's okay with these rules. Yeah. And so later on, it, they want to change the rules. They did another one. Harvard. Okay. Their track. Mm -hmm. They had they got engineers that said we want the fastest track in the world. How are we going to create that? So they took stroboscopic photos of runners running on pillows. And running on hard concrete. Nice. And they looked at the musculoskeletal 
response function to that. Right. And they said, we need the best combination of rigidity and, and softness. softness. Okay. And they invented a new kind of track that returns more of your energy to right. you in so the, the in the, so the recoil. track is like a spring. The basically track like a spring. Track is like a but spring. it's still your it's energy. It's still your energy that you're using. So, when did they come so there's no advantage to any one runner. So, That's correct. the key. Oh, good one. The key. So now watch what happens. People start breaking records right. and they say, and the NCAA says, we're not going to honor records on this track. Right. So when was this track introduced? This, this was in, when I was in college, so the 70s. Yeah, so they had a thing called Olymprine and then it was, in Britain, it was Olymprine and then Tartan. This I remember the Tartan track. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so, yeah. My father ran track right. on wooden track surfaces right. and indoor, indoors yeah indoor and if you fell you got splinters all up your oh. leg oh. so when he when he when he should have greased up <laughs> when he found a tartan track he thought he died and went to heaven right because it was bouncy it was springy you can roll on it you can fall on it because it was just gravel basically compacted gravel before then also you wouldn't need uh, spikes you can still use cleats but not get, not sharp right, spikes like no you just needed the, the smaller spikes. the smaller ones exactly. that was it yeah Right. Yeah, but, but anyhow, so if you're if you invent a new way to do it, I think disclosure is what it's about. Right. And in that way everybody has the same rules and it's up to you mm -hmm. whether you want to follow it. So that's the new Star Talk cheater rule. If it's up to right. I mean, listen, it's you see that happening. I I'll just I know we gotta wrap it up, but you look at football and the amazing catches that these wide receivers make now, mm -hmm. all of them wear these sticky gloves. But now I've I, seen those gloves with yeah, the red with surface. The, yeah, with the, and have you ever have you ever touched a football wearing one of those gloves? Wait, you can't it's shake like it off. It's like can't shake the bell off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they used to put glue glue on. Well, the they hand, used to put stick them. Stick them, right, right. But but these gloves, it's a very tactile exactly. surface. But my point is, everybody has the opportunity to wear the gloves. There you go. So it's no longer cheating. There you go. Level playing field. <gasps> That's it. Oh! Thank you. All right. Well, oh, um, can't believe we oh. just spent all this time <laughs> to get there. <laughs> to get right where, and that's really what it's about. The level it's, playing field episode of it. Star Talk. Okay. Gary Chuck, thanks for doing this. A pleasure. pleasure. As always, uh, this has been Star Talk, the Athletes Cheaters edition. <laughs> and I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, as always, saying, keep looking up. Thank you.